The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host, guest, random reptoid, or chupacabra may not necessarily reflect those of AM950 Radio, its affiliates, or its sponsors. Now, it's time to step into the unknown. There are things people experience but never talk about. A shadow moving in the corner, flickering of the lights, a disembodied voice. We invite you to talk with us, share your story, share your experience, because this isn't just your story, this is our story. This is Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. And this is Ghost Box Radio on AM 950, where every night we talk about the paranormal, ufology, Bigfoot, and so much more. My name is Greg Bakken. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. You know, uh, what uh, for those who have been listening for a while, know that uh, there are a couple subjects that I absolutely am going to be eternally fascinated by. And uh, one of them is simply... Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is such has led such a unique, profound, and uh, and uh, uh, short life that uh, there is so much around him that I find almost mystical in a way. And I'm I'm not here to try to uh, turn him into a deity or anything like that. My point is, though, I am continually fascinated by so many aspects of his life, whether or not he's actually had any part in these moments that I'm fascinated with, if that makes any sense. I think it will in a second uh, with what we're going to be doing here. But, uh, you know, I, I, we, if you know me, you know that I've, uh, you know, I believe that we've gotten his voice before through some of the paranormal equipment. I'm fascinated by uh, he actually had used uh, a medium through a lot of his uh, big choices during the Civil War, uh, let alone Mary Todd Lincoln, uh, she being such a, uh, a very interesting person. And also all of, the, uh, all, of, all of the dreams Lincoln had that were foreshadowing his own death, and including some of him walking through the, the White House and, and seeing his body lay in state. This is stuff that I find very fascinating, and I, I just keep, I just always are going to have these type of episodes. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that is very interesting about uh, President Lincoln uh, that uh, included a plot and uh, that actually had all happened long after he passed. My guest tonight, Steve Schenken is the acclaimed author of fast-paced cinematic non-fiction thrillers, including A Possible Escape, Bomb, Fallout, Undefeated, uh, and Lincoln's Grave Robbers. His accolades include a Newbery Honor and three National Book Award finalist honors. He lives with his family in Saratoga Springs, New York. And Steve, welcome to Ghost Box Radio. Thank you, Greg. Thanks a lot for that intro. This is fun. This is fun. This is a lot of fun. And and that's the thing that um, I, I really love about, you know, at the time, I'm sure it was very uh, traumatic for a lot of, uh, for for people de- during that period of time, especially having to try to figure out what's going on in, uh, in Illinois. But uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight and what uh, Steve has written about, amongst many other things, is uh, the uh, the fact that 
I'm going to say long after his death, that there was a plot to actually steal Lincoln's body. It's true. It sounds made up, and that's what makes it so great. Like you said, I write nonfiction books, and, and but I also get, for this book, just this one, emails from librarians all the time, just confirming or asking, should this be in the fiction or the nonfiction section of the library? Because it is such a strange story. And I mean, you summarized it. We can, we'll go into much more depth, but yeah, th there was an attempt about, well, 11 years after his death to break into the tomb in Springfield where he was, he wasn't buried actually, but it was above ground. The body was yeah. in a marble sarcophagus. And uh, yeah, they wanted to steal, attempted to steal the body and essentially hold it for ransom. And, and I know we'll get into this as well because it's not even that, Right and and all of you, everything around it. It's the fact that this, uh, I mean, tomb isn't even the right word for it, but this palatious, uh, you know, uh, this this uh, this this tomb that was built with statues and everything had to be taken down, like the tower and everything. It had to been rebuilt like about three times, didn't it? Yeah, it, it was rebuilt, but but at the time it would. I mean, you can visit it today, and it really does look, at least according to. The pictures it really does look a lot like it did mm -hmm. on that night in those in the fall it was actually 1876 the actual the, the uh the, the actual attempt took place on election night they kind of thought well maybe no one will be paying it you know it's not like they had cnn back then to watch <laughs> right. the election results no. but people were you would go to a newspaper office or something and, and and wait for the results to come in and so it was a good night they thought to go to the cemetery and Body. So what is the back in the day? I mean, like you said, Lincoln had been dead for 11 years. And um, what, what was the fascination still with Lincoln all those years later? Was that a direct response to uh, the how the Civil War was handled and and uh, how some, uh, especially in the South, had been so angry over how it, it ended i think so yeah and that, that's related to this story but it's also it's also true even independent of it i mean yeah it was a very we think we're partisan now well guess what we've <laughs> always been like this you know? right and and it was even worse then i mean we fought a civil war let's hope it's, it's not going to be worse than that but yeah, absolutely, Lincoln. Even after he was dead, revered by many people, as he still is, but especially then when people, you know, in Springfield, Illinois, where he lived, I mean, people knew him. He, they used to walk down the street every day to go to his office, and, yeah. and, and people knew his kids and his wife. And uh, But, yeah, a very different view, not so far away from there in the south of, of this guy who had led the, the Civil War and and – and so that he was very much, yeah, a political figure, even in death. Absolutely, even in death. So, uh, and we have about we have about uh, I'd say about six seven minutes before we hit our first break. Why don't we start talking a little bit though about what this what this plot was and and why would anyone think that stealing a dead body, let alone a president's, would actually be a, a good idea? Right, and the guys were not geniuses but they, they did have a plan i mean in their in their defense i'm not really defending them but they did have an idea so the short version is 
it's a wonderful story. You just couldn't make it up. They were counterfeiters. Yeah. So they had this great operation going. From their perspective, it was great because they had this counterfeiting operation going in Chicago. And and one of their gang, really the most important member of their gang, because he was the artist, the one who literally made the money, $20, $50 bills. They were so good, apparently, you could take them into a bank. And they, you know, it was, it's really hard to tell that they were counterfeit. Well, that guy got thrown in jail. And that's the very beginning of where I start my book. Because right. it's interesting, but it's sort of the background. So these guys, these these counterfeiters, came up with a plan. Well, they were desperate to get their engraver, their artist out of jail. And they came up with a plan. This is the part nobody knows about. The story is very well documented, but their thinking, not so much. They thought, we, if we can go to Springfield, you know, it's a couple hours away, we'll break into the tomb. There's no security. It's nothing like you, what you would see today. I mean, there's no, there was a padlock on the door. And it's worth going and checking out if you can't picture that, that mausoleum and there's kind of an obelisk. It looks like a mini Washington monument yeah. on top of it. It's quite an impressive it is monument and it was sort of a tourist attraction but at night there was nobody there it is in the cemetery so they said we'll just break through that padlock crack open the coffin and steal the body and they thought if they could get away with the body physically get it out of there they could hold it hostage you know like a kidnapping now normally you would want to kidnap someone who's alive because obviously their family <laughs> would want them back but Again, like you said, Lincoln was such a big deal yeah. to people in the North and in Illinois, especially. They figured once we get the body, we have a lot of leverage. Then we can make a trade. We can force the government to give our artist out of jail. And then on top of that, they had all these dreams of asking for money, too. And they had a, they had a, a plan, put it that way. It didn't go exactly <laughs> as they thought it would, as they hoped it would. It, it's kind of, I mean, as the story unfolds, it's kind of it's kind of buffoonery in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it truly is. It truly is, and that's and that's a wonderful thing. I mean, the true crime stories can be kind of darkly funny, and <laughs> and, that, and this one really is. And, and it's kind of it's a nice change of pace. It's not a murder story, you know. The, the dead guy's already dead, and and these guys they were there was something very buffoonish about about the whole idea and the, the, the idea that they could get away with it. Like, how do you, how do you make that handoff? How do you make that happen? Okay. We got the body. Meet me what on the corner <laughs> of the road. And, and uh, you bring out our guy from jail and we'll hand over Abraham Lincoln. I don't he'll, think they had thought that far ahead. He'll be in a sack. We'll, we'll have him in a sack for you and yeah. uh, do the handoff. And, uh, and, and that's just it. I mean, John Wilkes Booth couldn't get away. You know, I mean, obviously that that kind of was a a huge crime, obviously. But, you know, I mean, it's like they'd be hunted down regardless. It's they didn't think I, about that. I know it's it, it. And that's but that is part of the charm to me of the story from writing it. And, yeah. And, and there was a it really is a cops and robbers story because the, the detectives who worked the case made some pretty stupid mistakes, too. Yes. And, and, you know, they knew about it ahead of time because they had these informants in the underworld of Chicago. But rather than break it up, they really wanted to catch them actually dragging the body out. They really waited too long. And, and they, they and, wanted to do, watch them defile the body first. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So they could catch them for a more serious crime and, yeah. and look like heroes. And, it did, and from their perspective, also, it didn't go 
according to plan. No, no, they ended up having. Uh, I mean, there was somebody embedded in the in the in the group, right? That's right. They had what they called a roper. It was a uh, yeah. He was a, kind of an undercover agent, but but he was a a guy who was mostly a criminal, but it would take money from the cops too if it suited his interest. And yeah, <laughs> he was giving them information, the where and when, and so the police did know everything ahead of time. And and this was um, this was, if I'm not mistaken, there's this is part one of two, right? Uh, with with them trying to take the body right i mean didn't they try didn't they try it twice there were a couple different yeah one got kind of called off at the last second when 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 the word leaked out and and then the one there was that one that election night one was the 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 really the main attempt where the detectives were there and and they really did break open and break apart that that white kind of like iconic white marble sarcophagus with words from Lincoln's speeches written on it. And so they got much farther than the police intended for them to get. Now, uh, Chuck, in the comments, and if anyone has comments or questions, uh, please, please put them into the comment section. You can uh, go if you're if you're watching us on Facebook and go to uh, Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. Uh, if you're listening, you can go there as well. Chuck says, uh, were these robbers in league with any Masons? That would be the only thing that would be a a possibility to me. I'm, I'm not, uh, Chuck, I'm not sure if I'm following necessarily. Uh, like if, are you saying that you think the Masons would have a, a reason, but Steve, that's not really the case here, right? That's not, nothing that I've ever heard of. I think they were just straight up, you know, they really, they were counterfeiters. That was their main business. They had a bar in Chicago but it was really this was a desperation attempt to get this this man out of jail who who was really valuable to them. And and they actually uh, they didn't. I mean, basically, what you're saying is that they had no business trying to come up with a a a, a crime like this. This is totally out of their league of trying to take body snatching or kidnapping, probably of any kind. They were all more in league with with just uh, counterfeiting. That's a good point. That's a really a kind of a good point that maybe they should have stuck to their own <laughs> brand of crime that they didn't know the world of counterfeiting. Uh, but yeah, they talked. I remember that they talked to uh, you know a safe cracker, just getting advice about how are we going to get into this. It's almost like breaking into a bank. But you're right; they were a little bit out of their element in terms of the the nuts and bolts of of pulling it off. And and I see what Chuck is meaning. Uh, from his statement about the Masons, I think Chuck was making the same statement we just made was that, uh, you know, like, what are they doing trying to steal a body when they should, as you just said, maybe stick to counterfeiting. That seems to be, and, and, and wait for, do we know how long uh, the person that they were trying to get, how long he was supposed to be in jail for? Yes. I remember that. And, his name was Ben Boyd. He was a really young guy, brilliant artist, and he was he was thrown in in for ten years. Mm. So this was about a year into his sentence, and they just did not want to wait that long. That's incredible. That's incredible. Okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take our first break. And the thing is that it sounds like we're done telling the story, but that's not true. There's still more to tell and more more um, 
uh, not craziness, but I mean, there there is more to the story as it just seems to kind of go on and on with with this sort of thing. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and we'll talk about a little bit about what uh, Steve, uh, what else Steve has written. We have a lot to go through so far, and we're gonna do that right now. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM nine fifty. I just want to remind everyone, tomorrow in Anoka at Billy's Bar and Grill, we're going to do Ghost Stories and Beyond. And uh, we are very excited to be doing this one again. Uh, we did this last year, actually a year ago. It was February last year where we did uh, what we call 18 minutes of nonstop paranormal activity at the Grant House. You all remember the Grant House is over in Rush City, Minnesota. And uh, on uh, November 5th, 2022, a group of us, uh, we did an investigation and uh, there was, we did an experiment more than anything. And it yielded one of the most powerful uh, uh, paranormal experiences of our lives. And we believe that not only did we make a difference, it made a difference to our lives as well. Uh, last year, we had everyone who was uh, involved with it. It was our students from our paranormal class they presented it. This year, it's just going to be Shar and myself just to kind of keep things uh, a little bit more uh, simple and that uh, we could uh, get through the content in the time allotted. But uh, this, is, this is something you don't want to miss, honestly. This is incredible. And we are, we are so incredibly proud to have been able to uh, be a part of this in some way that uh, I just really... I really want to let you all know, uh, if, if you have a chance, come out to Billy's tomorrow. It's $10 to get in. does not cover food and drink, but burgers are half price tomorrow. It's always fun coming out there. I hope to see you all there. And then also, I just want to remind everyone, this week, or heck, this month on AM 950, let's just call it the whole month, right? Uh, we, um, we have Lister Appreciation Month this month. How many times can I say month in a sentence? And uh, we are uh, giving away stuff this week, next week, the week after. This week, we're giving away tickets to the listener appreciation event that's happening February 13th. Uh, That's next week. Uh, I will be giving away tickets for that on Friday. Listen, if you're the first caller to call in, uh, you can uh, win tickets. It's going to be fantastic. A lot of fun. Uh, some, uh, Some drinks, some food. Uh, some good people going to be there. So, and then every week we give away something new. So, uh, please uh, stay tuned and uh, take. Please take part in it. We really do appreciate you listening uh, to AM nine fifty, and I really do appreciate you listening to Ghost Box Radio. And we have with us author Steve Shankin. We've been talking about uh, uh, the grave robbing of uh, Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, uh, Steve, there's a couple comments I'd like to read for you. I think they're kind of, they're really good comments, and I think they're, they're, they're spot on. Um, first of all, Emily says uh, that it sounds like that they were just absolutely desperate. Their main uh, moneymaker literally was incarcerated. Desperate people do desperate things. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's, it's like I joke to you that, uh, yeah, they're kind of buffoonery, but it is probably to the point. They're like, what are we going to do? We don't have anyone like this around. Yeah, I think that point is is spot on. And, and of course, there were other artists, other people who could make the money, and, mm-hmm. and they would make, do it by 
it was pretty low tech in those days. They would just, you know, engrave onto metal plates. So however good, you know, your art was, that's how good the bills turned out if you had the good paper and ink. And so you're right. They could get other people, but they just, they weren't the same. This guy was just really talented. He probably should have used his artistic skill. And and, the, and one of the funniest parts of the story, there are many, is that he had no idea this was going on. This guy named, his name was Benjamin Boyd, and he only found out afterward that that this had been happening. And, uh, and so he, 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 you know, it wasn't like he was sitting there waiting to be sprung out of jail. That's fun. You know, I never even thought about that. Yeah, he 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 didn't know. That's incredible. And uh, uh, and I can imagine that there is probably just a lot of really crappy counterfeit versions of money out there back then, weren't, weren't there? I can just imagine that. That's what that's a fascinating subject too. But yes, and apparently, the government, the the federal government, only really started printing money during the Civil War, and mm-hmm. uh, so very recently to this story and. And it was easy to to counterfeit. It wasn't like today where you can look up and see these anti-counterfeiting, you know, holographic images inside. They, of course, they didn't no. have that sort of technology. It was just ink and paper. And and apparently there was a point where it was almost half the money in circulation might have been fake. And the whole reason that the, the Secret Service was founded, this is a good trivia question to people who think they know a lot about history was not to protect presidents. In fact, it wasn't until the third assassination that anybody bothered protecting the president. It was to fight counterfeiting. The Secret Service was founded as a counterfeiting police force. And so the cops in this story are Secret Service agents. That's really interesting. Uh, was, was paper money even the same in... It, it, it wasn't... Am I am I misremembering that it it wasn't the same design across the country the country as it were back then wasn't it wasn't it different designs in different areas as well or was it they had different this was the beginning of when they started to kind of regulate that and make here's what a U.S. twenty dollar bill looks like yeah. and you can go online and see that the designs they're beautiful they're really elaborately designed so it's it would be a very hard. I jokingly say it's an art project, but it's a hard one, though. Right, right, and and I suppose they made them very intricate and designed so that they could really try to cut down on the the counterfeiting because not any not everyone can do that sort of thing. That's right, and and like you said, most of it was really bad. You know, people would even just misspell Philadelphia or something. You know, just really obvious thing. I I'm I'm not sure if I could spell it. So, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I see people calling in, and I can't take calls tonight because it's just me. Uh, but if you want to go to uh, on Facebook Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken, we're streaming this live on there. You can uh, put your questions in the comments. Um, and then uh, Lisa says that uh, uh, is a good old fashioned jailbreak above their pay grade, and I suppose that this seemed doable stealing Lincoln's body opposed to trying to break somebody out of prison. Now that, Lisa, that's a great question. Of course you would have thought that, all right, if they're that desperate, then why not, you know, try to bribe a guard, you know, dig a tunnel. If, if you're that desperate, do something, something at least that, you know, could theoretically work. But thankfully, you know, if you love weird, gruesome, creepy stories i'm glad they, they didn't do that <laughs> and they're of course they're all attached to lincoln somehow 
and then also, uh, you know, I want to talk just a little bit. So this mausoleum, and thank you, Chuck, for uh, t- telling me the word I was missing when I was trying to explain it earlier. Um, this was in Springfield, Illinois. And yeah. the, the idea of where to put Lincoln was also a big ordeal, uh, kind of led because of uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, her insistence, and she made no friends during uh, this, this, uh, this part of the story at all. Yeah, the body was, like you said, there was almost something sacred about it. Well, it was to, to many people. And you can even go easily online and find pictures of the open casket because, yeah. all right, everyone knows he was killed in Washington and then they took his body back by train, but it took two weeks. They took their time. <laughs> yeah, they did. Bringing it back through the Northeast and Midwest. And people, thousands and thousands of people lined the, the railroad all the way. And, and they kept, again, gruesome details, which are always good in a story, but they kept the coffin. They embalmed it really, really well for the time. And they even had makeup, a makeup artist come along with them to, to keep him looking as best as he could, you know, under the circumstances. But, and, and it wasn't until they got to Springfield that they, that they closed it. And, and actually, they, they put the body, and this is significant because it came up years later, but they put the body inside a lead an airtight lead coffin and then in and then that went inside the more elaborate marble sarcophagus now if if i remember correctly a couple things uh number number one uh i forget the i get forget the gentleman's name uh high-ranking official that was in charge of the whole train uh uh trip uh that he was he was absolutely dead set against anyone trying to take a picture of Lincoln. So the one that we do have is one that he was very upset that that got out because they didn't want any pictures, from my understanding, pictures of, of Lincoln lying in state. And then secondly, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's a picture of uh, the, like the, 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 uh, the funeral procession that's traveling across America, that there is in one of the pictures like a, a baby Theodore Roosevelt. That, I, I remember reading that too. Maybe he's, yeah, when they're going through New York City. Yeah. yeah he's the, in the window of his apartment building. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or, it wasn't an apartment building. Of course, they were wealthy. It would have been a fancy brownstone. But yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. There, there's, I mean, it's just, you know, it's so weird because you have that picture. You have the picture of uh, when uh, uh, Lincoln was being sworn in for his second term that John Wilkes Booth is in that picture. You know, there's just some real, I mean, this is why I just, I cannot get enough of Lincoln. It is, there is so many synchronicities and so many interesting things to it. Have you seen on uh, Discovery Plus, and I bore everybody with this, um, the documentary called The Last uh, Photo of Abraham Lincoln, where it's, it's, it's this photo that is said to be of him dead in the bed where they took him across the street from Ford Theater, uh, where he died the next morning, that uh, somebody, that uh, the people upstairs, they were photographers just staying there, and that they were able to uh, get in and take uh, this picture when nobody was there because the person guarding the room at the time after he passed, they kind of, they kind of made it work, and that it, the whole thing is about could this possibly be real? It's hotly contested. 
but oh. it, it's a very interesting uh, documentary on it. And I, it, those pictures of him, that one picture of him laying in his coffin that no one should have taken but did, that looks like Lincoln. This other picture really doesn't look like Lincoln, but it looks like a, a man that's dead. It's such an interesting thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm making the note just to look that up because I'm like you. I'm obsessed with this stuff, too. But I, I know I don't know that story. Um, what I mean, just uh, one of the one. This story has so many you, you kind of hinted at. It has so many epilogues and weird twists because right. the body was was moved around a lot over the years after this grave robbing attempt. They were really worried that someone might try again. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't really buried again or into into a permanent spot until I think it was 1901 and they did look just to bring it back full circle they they did open his coffin at that time and look to see to make yeah. sure he was still in there yeah they did they did and there was there was uh there was a young boy if I'm not mistaken that was you know what I'm talking about right that that was there that, I put uh, that in the very end of my. Yeah, you just can't make this stuff up. But yeah, there was there were people again who lived in Springfield, who knew Lincoln. So all right, they decided we're going to go out to the cemetery. We're going to look. We're going to open up. And the lead coffin was key because it was airtight. It really kept the body preserved, or they hoped it was. They yeah. didn't know what they were going to see. But yeah, one of the guys who had known Lincoln, middle-aged guy, but he he had a son. It was like. 12 years old, something like that, and used a telephone, pretty early, pretty new invention in those days, but he called to the kid's school and, and said, you got to get on your bicycle and ride. you got to get down to the cemetery. There's something really, you got to see this. <laughs> it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And he was a kid who lived until fairly recently, but he was there when they opened. They actually got a plumber to do it because it was working with lead, almost like working with a lead pipe. Yeah. And he used his tools. He opened it and they said, just what you said, he looked, I mean, he looked just like they remembered. He looked like a statue of himself. Because he's broad, bronzing, was, right? Yeah, it was so well preserved that they were they they just couldn't believe how, you couldn't say he looked well, but I mean, he, how well preserved and how yeah. much just like they remembered him, he still looked. Uh, so incredible and so incredible. So then from, from there, uh, they... And and that's the thing that you and I were talking about. I mean, before before this opening, you and I were talking before the show about how, kind of in a way, Lincoln's body was kind of in plain sight for twenty some years, but no one knew because they were trying to hide it in the least, in like the least likely place that someone would go and look to steal it again. That's right, and. They really were worried. I mean, these guys did, like we said, they got farther than than they should have. They, they really did break open the coffin. I mean, I guess I'll give a spoiler and say they didn't actually make it away with the body. They were <laughs> arrested. I mean, it had, from a storytelling standpoint, everything you could want. There was a shootout in the graveyard. The, the guys got away temporarily yeah but they did stupid things you know they went right back to their saloon in chicago because <laughs> they didn't know where else to go and so of course the police were watching that and arrested them and so after it all they went to jail not for very long because it, it technically wasn't a very serious crime in terms of laws on the books yeah but but they were the the caretakers of the monument were very worried that someone 
would do this again. And so they kind of put together a volunteer guard. There was no sort of official rangers to take care of this of this monument. And, but they were very, you're right, they kept the body in the basement. They kept moving it around, kind of misleading people about where exactly it was because they knew it was not, it just wasn't secure. It's incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. And, uh, uh, you know, and then when they do finally, after like that 12 year old boy gets to see that moment in it, it truly is the last time any of us would ever have a possibility of seeing Lincoln or even his casket because that was that there is they really took care of it after that yeah they really they were really worried about this happening again it may seem strange to us now but they if you look at a picture of the monument you'll see it's kind of on a a, a grassy hill and what they did is just bury a hole they, they, they dug a hole on the side of that hill and buried it in an unmarked spot they even put it under wet concrete and just let it harden over the casket and then and then grew the grass back over it again so it was unmarked <laughs> and that's how worried they were that somebody would try to do this again no one's going to be able i mean no one's going to be able to get to him ever again no with any sort of security of course you could never get into it now no would anyone try that again of course today it would be you know, I, I you like to think it would be impossible, but yeah, I don't you think never, anyone would try that. You yeah. never know. Yeah, never know. <laughs> uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, do this? Let's take our next break. Uh, when we come back, there's still more to talk about with this and General Lincoln things. Uh, it was so fascinating, really incredible. This is I'm enjoying this conversation quite a bit. If you have any questions, put them in the comments. Otherwise, uh, you're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM 950. And I'd like to uh, tell people, and I'm really excited about this. If you remember, uh, we did this over Halloween. Uh, we did a live investigation of the Grand Garage in uh, Stillwater. Well, we're going to be doing that again on February 21st. It's going to be a special three-hour episode of Ghost Box Radio. Uh, we're going to, but this time, slightly different, and I really want to get people out here for it. Last time, we did not open it to the public. This time... We kind of are opening it to the public. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to have uh, uh, the Tilted Tiki is going to host us. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's this uh, beautiful, wonderful tiki bar. Great food, great drinks. There is no admission price to get in, but uh, please buy some food, buy some drinks, have a good time. I'll be doing uh, the show from the stage there. We'll have a TV set up, and throughout the rest of the building, uh, the team, like uh, Char, which you might have heard from such shows as this one, and our friend Kyle and uh, Witch Jody, uh, we're going to be doing an investigation throughout the rest of the building. We're going to have a big screen up so that you can see what's going on while you have your drinks and food. And one lucky winner, uh, all part of Listener Appreciation Month, is going to be able to investigate with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's February 21st. Uh, we'll get out some more information, but please mark it down on your calendar. We really would like to see you out there. It'd be great support uh, for uh, such great businesses in Stillwater at the Grand Garage. Uh, we're going to be uh, obviously working with uh, Tilted Tiki, uh, Midwest Witchery and Healing, and Locale um, uh, Makers Market. So it's going to be fantastic. 
I'm really excited uh, for us to be able to do that. More information coming up in the next couple of days. We have with us, and we're finishing up our final segment with uh, Steve Schenken, author. We've been talking about uh, uh, Lincoln's grave robbing and all that good stuff. Uh, I got in the comments a couple people talking about uh, the synchronicities between Lincoln and Kennedy. And Steve, I don't know about you. I know that there are some. I've never actually fact-checked them because I know there. this is some, one of those things that really is open for a lot of, like, you know, rumors. And and, and, and I'm not saying that the folks putting it into the chat are, are insinuating that, but I, I, I get kind of leery about putting that, and I don't know enough about it to actually talk about it, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I remember, I remember hearing about it, though, even in high school and being yeah. fascinated by some of the links, just some of the common coincidences between names and that, that are involved in the in the stories. And, and so, yeah, there, there's probably people in those comments who know a lot more than we do about, yeah, about that part of history. And I remember, I remember, for example, like uh, I've always was told that uh, Lincoln's secretary was Ken- named Kennedy and Kennedy's yeah. secretary is named Lincoln. That's true. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and yes. and I just don't. I I I'm not saying it's not real. I just I I don't feel comfortable, like throwing that out there because I really don't know. I don't know, and I don't want to. You know, I don't want to make people upset at me for being wrong. <laughs> so it's, it's worth checking. It's worth checking out. Uh, please, folks, check and report back to us. Uh, here's here's the thing though. I always found fascinating just this whole Lincoln thing. You know, is that I'm sure you saw the the TV show in the 50s where it was like uh, you kind of guess who this person is. And this guy who is in his 90s, he comes on and uh, he has he has a big bandage on his head. And uh, and uh, he, he comes on and they try to guess who he is. And he's like, I was part of a major historical event. And what he was a part of was uh, he was at Ford's Theater the night of Lincoln's assassination. And this is in the 50s. He was five years old when that happened. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. I mean, when they they guessed it, they guessed it pretty quick. But when they guessed it, you could hear the crowd just gasp. And uh, like I said, he was in his 90s. And he made it this far in life. And I said he has a big bandage on him. Well, they bring him out to, I don't remember if it was shot, because, you know, television at that point mainly, I think, was in New York. I don't know if that's where it was. Uh, they bring him out there, and uh, he falls. Like the day before, the day after, he, or the day before or that day, he falls, hits his noggin. They have to bandage him up. He dies, like, days or maybe a week or so later from complications from that fall. Wow, I can picture that clip that you're talking about. Right. I didn't know that detail at all about the yeah about the fall. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's it's very chilling, and you know it's funny because like it, it you know you just look at the timing. It's like oh that's that is possible. I just ran across a picture that somebody colorized uh, that was taken in 1864 of a American Revolutionary uh, veteran. Uh, that uh, so a part of the American Revolution, he was a hundred years old, in that when that picture in 1864 uh, was was done, 
you know, and it's really interesting thought. I was just talking about his friends over the weekend that these that he died during the Civil War. What he fought for in the American Revolution, this is what he saw the his country turn, turning into when he had died. That's amazing. And of course, I had to just quickly try to do some mental math. But yeah, that makes sense that it could. Of course, that that's realistic if he if he lived to be 100. And then, that's amazing when you start to see those connections and right? maybe time it's not as long ago as we really thought. It's exactly it because it's like well, American Revolution that was like two hundred years before Civil War. No, it's not. Not even close. No. You know, I mean, it, the, it's a hundred years from the time we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, Lincoln's grave robbing. You know, it's, it's all relative. And then the final thing I want to kind of throw your direction. You know, just all these Lincoln uh, synchronicities. Being that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't uh, Lincoln's son a part of, you know, just by happenstance, well, at least two presidential assassinations if it wasn't three? Like, he, he, he's, he's been a part of at least two of them. And it's just like, what is going on with this Lincoln family? The family, yeah. The, and you mentioned Mary, and they, of course they had some Sons died really young. Really young. In that family, yeah, what a really tragic. I mean, events. it's it's like you could get excited about Lincoln and really want to follow him and find out more just on the surface of what he's done. But when you go deeper into this, you know, kind of more morbid sort of side, which I think Lincoln was very morbid, to be very honest. Um, I think that there's there's something there's a lot more there. Yeah, he clearly had some that, that people who knew him talked about him. He would just kind of go into these really dark moments and they just couldn't tell what he was thinking about. And and, and there were other attempts. People may know this, but there were the, there was an attempt to, to assassinate him before he was even sworn in. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a really well-documented plan to try to get him as he traveled the other way from Springfield to Washington and was going through a train station in Baltimore and there was a really well there's a really well documented attempt to shoot him while he was that's right on that train that's and that right. could have happened that, and that and they were weren't wasn't it that they were uh that that the Lincoln party they were all aware of it uh but they had to be very careful about it. like didn't the train instead of even going straight through didn't it kind of which seems incredible that they would do this considering knowing what was happening, that they kind of stopped for a, a, a while because the timing is what what was crucial here. Yeah, they were expecting, the assassins were expecting him to come on a certain train. You had to, at that time, change trains. Yeah. You had to actually cross town in a, in a, on right. a wagon yeah. to get from one line to another. And that's where they were going to, they thought he would be really vulnerable there. And so Lincoln, and it was really, there's, again, no secret service in the sense of protection at all. Just some friends with guns, basically. And they said, if we can, if we change and go on an earlier train, they, they, we could probably get through before they find out. And so he kind of, Lincoln just showed up in D.C. Nobody was expecting him <laughs> early in the morning. And he actually took a lot of grief from that. And people made fun of him for sneaking into town. But I think he had a pretty good reason to do it he, he kind of had a disguise of some sort i don't mean yeah. necessarily like a funny nose or anything but i mean they did they really tried to hide who he was even though he's this massively tall person 
Right. Uh, he has some sort of cloak on. But again, you're right. He couldn't. He was six four. He did. He and really thin and a really distinctive figure. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't blend in very well at all. No. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your book because we talked about what the book is about. But your book itself uh, is available on uh, Amazon, right? Yeah, any of my books. Yeah, available anywhere that you would you would pick up books and bookstores too. So the this book is called Lincoln's Grave Robbers, and there's yes. others that you have written, uh, and uh, and and they're they're all nonfiction, which is kind of uh, my my jam. I mean, I, I, fiction is great, but I really like to know what like history. I like to know what's going on. Yeah, uh, that's that's true for me too. What was it? What is it that? Uh, what is it that uh, made you decide in particular? I mean, it sounds stupid to even ask because we've just been talking about it for an hour, but the idea of, of writing the book about Lincoln compared to the other books, was this a earlier book, a later book? Is this something like when you decide to start writing in this genre that this was like, I, I this is one topic I need to write about? It, it was just because, like I said, Stranger Than Fiction, which yeah. is, which is always which always grabs me a true crime, but not not the one that you're expecting. That it, the fact that it pulls in, like we're talking about Abraham Lincoln and these these parts of history. It took place at this really significant moment in in American history, but it's not really well known. I think that's to me the most exciting part about it was that it's it's really not it, even now it's not very well known. No, it isn't. It isn't, and I'm actually uh, I guess I'm surprised by that a little bit because it is so. Uh, it is so unique and there's, and there's so many facets to it. Like there isn't, like I would have thought there would have even been like a movie and I, at least I don't know of a movie that was, I don't know of one either. I think they should. I think they, someone should get on that. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen, um, I've seen a documentary on history. I know that they've done yeah. one. Uh, I saw one on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, are you working on any new books? Oh yeah, I'm always working on new things. And the latest one I wrote, you can sort of see the poster behind me. It's called Impossible Escape. Very different. It's this story of a Jewish teenager who escapes from Auschwitz, a Nazi concentration camp in World War II. And a very different, but also kind of incredible. You know, that that's the thing that I always look for. It's an incredible true story that most people don't know. How how he pulled off what I think is the greatest escape in it in all of history from and i love those kinds of stories so i'm always looking for stuff like that how hard like with that one uh how hard was it to do research uh being in the u.s it well well i was able to read everything that he wrote in interviews that he that he did and so that's all available either in books or online i did i went to poland and slovakia and oh, nice. and and researched from there too because i just felt like you just, I just had to. I mean, that was like if I wanted to study Lincoln, you know, you got to go to Springfield, you got to go to this tomb. Luckily, that's a lot easier for us to get to than than the middle of Europe. But but that is worth seeing. You can go in that monument today, and and maybe again, part of the reason it's not well known is if you go there, they don't say a word about it. No. And fair enough, it's almost it's almost church like if you go in there. It, there's tombs, Mary's in there somewhere, yeah. the bodies of some of his family members and and so okay they don't have a little you know display of a grave robbing that just would <laughs> maybe feel inappropriate although i think people who visited would, would like it but 
it's just that they, they don't they just don't talk about it. Do you think that might have to do with the fact that uh, it it was so uh, it, it it was so close to actually something that could have happened, and it really exposes at the time uh, just on on the law side that it's just they they weren't they weren't as stellar as they could have been in that. That's definitely true. I think it was embarrassing. It was really horrifying to them. If you go to the everything in Springfield, a lot of it is about Abraham Lincoln, of course, and you can see the house he lived in, but if you, there's the, the presidential library. And I don't think it's on display, but I remember an archivist said, hey, you want to see something cool? And he pulled open a drawer. And in the drawer were the tool, the grave robber's tools. Oh, wow. They had a hammer, chisel, uh, a, a, a lantern. And when the shootout began, you know, when the, the, these police started firing at these guys, they dropped everything and made a run for it. And they, like we said, temporarily got away, but they dropped everything in the graveyard. And so that, so these artifacts do still exist. Wow. And yeah, I don't know if you could do something. I mean, I know that of course it would make a great display, but, but again, in the library, is that the kind of thing <laughs> that they want to talk about? I guess. I don't know. Maybe I feel like it's part of the story and it certainly would get younger people interested in that. You know, I'd go for it if I were them. It it really, it really shows, you know, and maybe not in the best way, but it really shows what Lincoln means to the country, I guess. That's a good point too. How important, who else would, you know, yeah, would, would get this kind of attention and besides Abraham Lincoln, you're right. Absolutely. Steve Shankin, uh, author, uh, go please uh, check out his books over on Amazon and uh, please support him. Steve, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Greg. This was really a lot of fun. It was. Thank you so very much. And then, folks, I hope to see uh, some of you over at Ghost Stories and Beyond tomorrow at Billy's Bar and Grill in Anoka. Starts at 630. Everyone, have a good night. <laughs>